Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Exurgat deus dissipentur de nemici eius. Et Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered. Let all those who hate him flee from before his face. <clears throat> I finally found a topic that wasn't going to drive me to become frothing, frothing mad. <laughs> and it actually has to do with the case against technocracy, which is also a case against democracy and is actually a case for hereditary feudalism. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Archangel, defendenos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias diaboli estro praesidium. Imperatili Deus supplicas deprecamur, tuque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos que ad perditionum animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in inferum de trude. Amen. Cor Jesus sacratissimum miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatus Carolus de Domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Isabella Catholica, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuum et salvi erimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculato Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <clears throat> Before I get started in this topic, um, admittedly, I kind of lost track. I don't even actually know if I managed to publish an episode that talked about the really awesome custom leather belt that I got from Victor Mendoza at Mendoza Leather Crafts. So we're going to talk about it now, just in case. Um, I'd like to be able to do a one-minute ad. I don't know how to do a one-minute ad. And to be perfectly honest with you, the process through which I went through in order to obtain this belt from Mendoza Leather Crafts, this magnificent belt, um, took about a month. And I think I can boil it down to a few minutes, but I'm definitely not getting it down to one minute. So I found this, uh, this leather craftsman on Twitter. He published a really based trad tweet. 
Like immediately caught, like I saw the tweet and immediately caught my attention. I clicked over to his profile, noticed that he does leather crafts, followed him. Too easy, right? I head back over to, I, I like and retweet because it was a very, very good tweet. I don't remember what it was. It's been a while. Um, it's been about actually a little over a month. And then he shows up on my timeline and, you know, just, you know, public tweet. Hey, I got a, I got a leather blank here if anyone's interested in a custom leather belt. Well, I'd just been to his profile page. I knew he was a Catholic, you know, he's a Catholic businessman. He's a tradesman, a craftsman. And I was like, you know what? I'm, let's see what we got. And so I shot him a message. And that was at the beginning of August, like August 1st or 2nd. We talked about it. We worked out a design. He kept me posted. Basically, um, at the end of every stage that he was working through for the creation of this belt. So I actually got to see the belt be created like I've watched it come to fruition, the, the, the design that he and I had talked about and everything, like working out the measurements and all that stuff. And I watched this thing go from plain strip of leather to a beautifully crafted piece of tooled leather with the right dye, the right level of antiquing, and a, and a absolutely brilliant look. And as soon as I decided that I was gonna go ahead and get the belt, I was swung over and I picked up from a local store um, in Montana a belt buckle. Nice silver belt buckle. It's kind of, I guess they call it a trophy buckle, but it's a silver belt buckle with a bronze casting of the Blessed Virgin Mary, Our Lady of Guadalupe, on the front. I was like, if this belt comes out like that, it should, it should look perfect with this belt buckle and we're going good, right? And as the weeks go on, and we're to, and and he and I are messaging back and forth, I'm watching this belt become a magnificent, gorgeous piece of Western artwork. It's got scroll work. It's got leather lettering. It's a beautiful, just a a wonderful leather dye color. Um, oiled with it, you know, the, the antiquing process just made it pop magnificently. And I'm watching this thing slowly come to, slowly come to pass. And I just have to say, if you're on the market for custom leather goods, because he does a lot more than just leather belts. Um, he does rosary pouches. He does uh, cases, uh, leather cases for Lassance missiles. Um, he does uh, cozies for, you know, uh, soda cans, beer cans, whatever. And he's a craftsman. An artisan. <clears throat> so, if you're on the market for a rosary pouch, if you didn't even know you were on the market for a rosary pouch, if you're on the market for a leather cover for your missile, you know, it, it, <clears throat> so many of us have our missiles and, you know, I mean, I, I can put some serious mileage on a missile just going, you know, just going to church. And having a good, and having a good custom leather cover for the missile is definitely a great idea. Or, or whatever the product is, because he can accommodate quite a bit. Go to mendozaleathercraft.square.com site or you can find him on twitter mendoza l craft 20 all one word on twitter mendoza l craft 
20. You can also find them on Instagram, Mendoza, Mendoza Leathercraft. He is an artisan. You can look through his catalog. You can look through the work that he's done before. If you if you go to his uh, timeline on Twitter, you can actually see the belt that he made for me. I think he's even actually got the belt on his uh, on his website. Should probably check that real quick. Yep, he's got the belt. He's got his design process. He's got his. Uh, it's a very nice site. You can contact him, and it. And I think he can definitely work out something for precisely what you're looking for. Definitely worth every penny. And you get to support a Catholic businessman practicing his craft. A beautiful, beautiful trade. Like I said, MendozaLeatherCraft.Square.Site. You should check him out. Okay, so, to the actual news, or at least some news, the <clears throat> it took a little while for me to actually find a topic that I could talk about. Um, in truth, like I'd expected to actually publish something last night, the problem was, is the news was such that I was uncontrollably angry. Absolutely uncontrollably angry. So we're going to focus on something that's a little more... A little less contentious, a little something that's not going to have me frothing at the mouth by the end of the podcast. And mind you, I'd only like so I'd recorded a six, a five or six minute plug um, for Mendoza Leathercraft, and then it was another twenty minutes or so. And by the end of the pot, by the end of the episode, I could not, I could not focus, not even close. I was so thoroughly enraged. The violence that's been allowed to be to come to pass, all of just the garbage. So we're going to step a little bit aside from that. And we're going to go ahead and make the case for hereditary feudalism. Because the technocracy would have you think that centralized government power or a centralized authority who make things run straight. And democracy would have you think that the mob can run it. Or, you know, at the, even at the local level. But I think Russell Brand, who was making the case for democratic, localized, disaggregated authority and power, he actually ended up making the case simultaneously for hereditary feudalism. And of course, hereditary feudalism is a subset of monarchy. Now, why is this important? Well, let's take farming. During the feudal era, if you were a landowner, that land was hereditary, typically, um, and particularly at least within the British system, and may have been through, I think actually with the Spanish system and a few other systems, um, the land passed generation to generation via primogeniture. Um, And primogeniture means that it goes to the firstborn and is managed by the firstborn. So, the, to the, so typically, and for most of history, to the firstborn son. Um, however, not exclusively to the firstborn son. Everybody seems to think that it was always, that it was always, um, you know, male, male hereditary line. And for the most part, this is true. <clears throat> but it was not exclusive. 
And that's kind of a thing that everybody's like, like nobody wants. Oh well, you know, it's all it's always going this and it. Now shut up, okay? On occasion, given the circumstances, it would actually pass to the daughter. The problem with that is, is that when it passes to the daughter, when the daughter marries, the property, it's still in the family technically via bloodline, but the family line is basically cut because it'll end up going because the firstborn daughter is going to have a son probably and the property is going to go to the son but the son is the head of a different household and you could see a lot of the complexity would be displayed particularly among the nobility with the marshal with the marshaling of arms and that's where you get these really complex coats of arms that have, you know, the mixture of many family coats done in a particular order so that this way you could actually see the level of inheritance and, and, the, and the, the, the weaving together of all of these families. But if Clan Smith... only has a female heir and she marries clan into clan mcdonald the property which was the smith is now the mcdonald and will continue and while you know through hereditary line yes it is the smith lands but there will be no more smith in primogeniture it will only be mcdonald's <clears throat> and not McDonald's the way it is in America, you know, with burgers and fries. <clears throat> the reason why hereditary title, hereditary or primogeniture and heredit and hereditary title are so important is because in let's say the Madrigal homeland. Well, the Madrigal homeland has a specific climate. You know, it might be a couple hundred acres of farmland or whatever. <clears throat> it might it might be 70 acres of farmland plus hillsides and, and rivers and streams and whatever, right? And there's a specific climate that comes with it, a specific set of weather patterns that come with it. And so when you're raising cattle of whatever type, be it, you know, cows or sheep or whatever, you know, you're shepherd, shepherding or you're herding uh, animals and you're growing and you're growing crops. There's, there's a different climate in, say, the northwest corner of Spain than there is in, say, the central area of the state of Georgia in America. And it's gonna, and that's gonna be a different climate from Indiana, which is gonna be a different climate from Wyoming or Colorado or Utah or Washington, and so on. The climate difference, the difference in the typical weather patterns, the difference in the soil composition, the difference in the water content, the difference in the relative humidity of the atmosphere, all of those things play a role. And the hereditary 
ownership of the land ensures that you have generational knowledge. So we're losing, so one of my coworkers became an aircraft mechanic because his family is selling off the farmland. They had been on that property, the massive and massive property, massive, hundreds of acres. It had been their farmland, their pasture for generations going all the way back to the 1800s. And the experience learned and now lost from that farmland was huge. They'd been cattlemen and weed farmers and berry farmers. I say berry farmers because I know they I know they 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 had some sort of fruit. I don't remember what kind. I think it was strawberries are not really berries. But I think but I think they had a strawberry farm like I I'm pretty sure like they had a variety of crops. <clears throat> across these hundreds of acres. And he, and he was the last generation, had he actually inherited the farmland, if it were actually possible, he would have been the sixth generation. His father, his grandfather, his great-grandfather, all the way back six generations. Can you imagine the wealth of knowledge passed down from father to son? that's now just gone. Because from an economic standpoint, they can't really afford to continue to run the farm. Because you've got factory farmers, like Bill Gates, who are buying the farmland and then testing out their technological little whatevers. But whatever technology, whatever chemistry, whatever, whatever it is that you decide to apply to a plot of land in, say, Wisconsin, is going to be significant, should be significantly different than what you would apply to a plot of land in, say, Washington. Because Washington State's climate is dramatically, there is no analog to Wisconsin weather in Washington. There is none. None. None whatsoever. The winter lands, the places that actually get a good solid winter, they don't actually have farm. When you head when you head east in Washington, you go once you cross the Cascades, you're in the desert. Desert. That were it not for the irrigation and the eruption of Mount St. Helens, would probably be barren lands altogether. West of the Cascades, from the Cascades west, you have northern rainforest. The farmer who learns how to grow crops in western Washington is not going to grow the same crops, is not capable of growing the same crops in Wisconsin. The climate is entirely different. The technology that you would use is going to be different. The soil quality is different. It's not even necessarily worse quality soil, but having been up in that area, I can tell you that the soil is for significantly more black in Wisconsin than it is in Washington. 
In Washington, instead of that rich black soil, it's gray. And then you go to someplace like the Carolinas, because, oh, hey, by the way, he's got farmland in Carolina as well. And now you have clay. You have clay and sand, for the most part. It's not to say that there's not soil to grow, but there's a reason why North Carolina, for the most part, grows tobacco and cotton, because those are crops that grow well in that sort of climate, in that environment, with that level of sun, with that amount of sunshine and relative humidity and barometric pressure, with the soil content and the quality, and the soil quality and content. But if you try to apply what's going on, what you would normally use in, say, Yakima, Washington, and apply that in Asheboro, it's not going to work. It's not going to be the same at all. Equally true if you tried it in Georgia. And the difference between North Carolina and Georgia is subtle, but still enough. Likewise, Louisiana. Florida, Texas, all of these places where they have farmland and they have pasture land, where maybe they've been able to irrigate it to the point where it will render, where it will yield plants as crops, various plants as crops. But it's going to be all dramatically different. And this is just within the United States. This is one contiguous country, supposedly, with a variety of climates that you just you can't match from location to location. And what does Bill, seriously, what does Bill Gates know about farming in Georgia? I don't even think he's actually ever been to Georgia. So what, is, what could he possibly know about farming in Georgia? What could he possibly know about farming in Wisconsin or Kansas? What could he possibly know? Do you, do you honestly think he actually knows what's going on in Washington, too? I mean, Washington is his home state, but let's be real. He supposedly built his business out of the garage in a city or a suburb. I would be hard-pressed to believe that he's ever even grown a tomato in his backyard, let alone dozens of acres of wheat dozens of acres of corn. And don't even get me started about the fact that wheat and corn are also very different crops. They, they have different requirements. So what does he really know? What does someone like him really know? And, I, and I'm picking on Bill Gates because he's the biggest example. <clears throat> but it could just as easily, I mean, it could just as easily be Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Klaus Schwab. Do you honestly think, of like, let's be real, if Klaus Schwab was buying up farmland in Denmark or in Holland, do you think he knows thing one about raising crops? Do you think he's ever delivered a calf? Do you think he's ever herded sheep? And that's what these big factory farms are. They're people who are going to apply our model here and this and that and the other. 
and they caused a lot of the problems that we're going through now, particularly in the United States of America, where our food is so devoid of natural nutrition, of the things that we genuinely need, and then it's enriched in all of these artificial ways, assuming it's even enriched in those artificial ways, that our obesity rate compared to someplace like Holland is huge. How many overweight plumbers crack wielding Italians are there? Plenty in America. Not so much in Italy. Same thing with France, same thing with Spain, same thing with Germany. You are much more hard pressed to find some Jabba the Hutt looking Muldoon anywhere in Europe as compared to the United States of America. And why do you think that is? What did they have different in Europe that they don't have in America? Or vice versa, what do they have what do we have in America that they don't have in Europe? Well, the first answer to that question is we don't have a lot of industrial corporate farming in the rest of the world. In the rest of the world, it's a little bit more localized. It's why they're actually passing all of those laws is to make sure to put an end to it. Because that's really what they're going for. They're trying to put an end to it. They want central planning. Despite the fact that the climate in, the, in southern France is significantly different from the climate in Denmark or Holland or Germany. They're trying to establish that same model over there where there's three or four, maybe three or four companies that control the whole thing. And you can tell they're trying to do it right now because they're basically making it absolutely not worth carrying on trying to be a farmer anywhere. They're making it so that the farmers cannot get the things that they need to grow the food that feeds the rest of the world. And they certainly don't want them making a living doing it. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And the funny thing is, these are the same people who are willing to walk through the streets screaming, this is what democracy looks like. So ask yourself, did that ever happen under the feudal societies? Short answer, no. How do we know? Because we know the names of every bad king. We know the names of every bad king. We know the names of every bad emperor, like the ones who were legitimately just trash to all their people. We know them by name. And the thing that I find most entertaining is they're like, well, that's proof that this, that, <clears throat> that, you know, proper monarchical hi hierarchy doesn't work. No, that's actually proof that it does work. Because we don't know the names of all the average kings. All the guys who were pretty good at making the land prosper. We don't know the names of all those people. You want me to prove it? The Sun King, Louis XVI. There were, there were 15 Louis before him. What is Louis V known for? I mean, we know his name. We know it has to be Louis because there were because there were at least 16 French kings named Louis. So what do you know about Louis V? What's Louis V's claim to fame? We know about Louis IX because he was exceptional. He was Saint Louis. Saint Louis. Saint Louis IX. Well, what about Louis XII? What do we know about him? Some people know the name Henry II, the Plantagenet, Henry, King Henry of England, second of his name. Some people know of him. But what do you know of Henry III? What about Henry VII? What do you know about King Henry I? I mean, we know of at least eight, which is spectacular. We know their we know the names of eight English kings all named Henry. We know their names. But what do you know about Henry the 3rd or Henry the 5th? 
Well, there's a Shakespearean play on Henry V, so maybe there's something true about that. But aside from the play, what's Henry V's claim to fame? Some people might know Henry II. He was, he was the king who initially established what we now know today as British common law. So we might know Henry's, Henry II, the Plantagenet. Okay? We know the king, the th at least three King Georges of England, right? And of course, in America, we know King George III because he was the one that we rebelled against. But what do you really know about him? Not a whole lot, I'd imagine. What do we really know about Charles V of France? What about Charles II, Charles IV? We know there's at least five Charleses of France. There are at least five Chuckers from, from France. What do we know about them? What about the Henrys, the French Henrys? I think a lot of people forget that there were Henry, there were King Henry, there were Kings Henry in France as well. You want proof? Henry the Sixth of the House of Bourbon is a thing. So what do we know about Henry the Second of Spain? Anything? Do you know I can keep doing this with names? King Philip the Fair, I think it was Philip the Fourth. Don't know much about Philip the First or the Third. I could be mistaken about uh, Philip the Fair because I think it might actually have been Philip the Philip the Second. But again, what do we know about him? Was he scandalous? I mean, we know about Philip the Fair. Apparently, he was ugly and wasn't very fair. <clears throat> What about several emperors, Maximilian? I mean, we know Kaiser Wilhelm, but a lot of people forget that he's Kaiser Wilhelm II. So what do we know about Kaiser Wilhelm I? Like, no joke. And you can run through history like this again and again and again. The, and that's just the kings. That's only the kings. That doesn't, those are the big names. I mean, when you get to like, when you get to the Kaisers, you're talking about the Holy Roman Emperor. But for every really crappy king of Spain, there's an Isabella Catolica, Saint Ferdinand, King Saint Ferdinand. For every bad leader of the Austro-Hungarian Empire, there's a blessed Karl. Now let's flip that. Let's let's run over to these democratic republics. What do we know about their leaders? Well, their leaders are mediocre at best. 
They argue that King, that George Washington was that was, you know, the exemplar. He was he was probably the best man ever because he specifically because he was because we tried to crown him king and then didn't. And I would argue that we should have. We really should have. I think it was a mistake. It's probably for the better, but it was definitely a mistake. But then let's run through the, you know, the presidents that were really bad. Now, it's mixed reviews. Depends on, I suppose, the side of the political spectrum that you're on. But objectively, Woodrow Wilson, the guy who started Jim Crow, was bad. Objectively, FDR, the guy who let communists in the White House, was bad. Oh, but he did this, that, and the other. Yeah, it was all bad. He took what should have been a mild economic recession and turned it into a massive Great Depression. It's like, but he got us out of it. No, 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 no. The Second World War got us out of it. He prolonged it. He made it worse. His predecessor, Herbert Hoover, was no big, was no awesome thing either. And in American history, we do not have a Calvin Coolidge for every Herbert Hoover. Well, what about Harry Truman? He won the Second World War. Yeah, he also nuked Japan twice. What did he do to clean up government corruption? Nothing. He used the FBI just as much as everybody else. Jimmy Carter? Oh, but Jimmy Carter was followed by Ronald Reagan. Yes. And while Ronald Reagan was a far better president than Jimmy Carter, he was no Washington. He wasn't even a Calvin Coolidge. Bush 41? The Iraq War? For what? Bill Clinton? Mogadishu? Anybody? Oh, in fact, I got a nice long list for Bill Clinton. Vaporized a pharmaceutical manufacturing plant in Africa to distract from that affair he had with Monica Lewinsky. Oh, it's no big deal. Let's just kill like 20, 30 people. We'll kill 20, 30 people. We'll say, hey, it's terrorists over there. And then, and then you know, they won't pay as much attention to the blue dress. Bush 43? I used to think, he, I mean, he was, you know, on a personal level, he was a pretty high quality guy. On a personal level. But as a president, he was a disaster. He had to break capitalism in order to save capitalism. Because that's always smart. But we could actually take it back in a string. I mean, Donald Trump was pretty good. But Donald Trump is not on the level with St. Louis the Ninth. He doesn't even... Re Donald Trump doesn't even qualify on the level with Cal Calvin Coolidge. Okay? But he's definitely no Isabella Catolica. He's definitely no Blessed Carl of Austria. He's definitely no King Louis the Ninth. He's definitely no... 
And I could run down a long list of people who he's not. And he only qualifies as being moderately better than most American presidents. Moderately better. I'm not about to crown him king of anything. Except maybe his own ego. He was entertaining, to be sure. Do I wish he was still in office? Absolutely. But I'd rather be ruled by King Louis IX. I'd rather be ruled by Isabella Catolica. I'd rather be ruled by Blessed Karl of Austria. I'd rather be I would take any of the Catholic kings over an American president. Even the vaunted George Washington. What about Abe Lincoln? He freed the slaves. Yeah, he also charged, he also managed to turn in double the cost of of his receipts to transport himself between Illinois and Washington, D.C. when he did serve in Congress. So he was a thief. And he had no control over his temper. Everybody thinks Donald Trump, Trump's attitude's bad. Donald Trump never climbed off off the dais and beat the snot out of anybody for heckling. Abe Lincoln did. And we can run through, I mean, American history, we've only got 46 presidents and, and all of them couldn't hold a candle they couldn't hold a candle to Blessed Carl. They're unworthy to tie the shoes of King Louis IX. I wouldn't even let them present flowers to Queen Isabella. And we got kings and blesseds. Saint Olaf. Better, better king. Would have been... <laughs> Better king than any American president. Czar <sighs> Nicholas. Better czar. I would rather have. I would rather. I would rather live in a country under his rule than live in a than live in a country than live in the United States of America. You take, didn't even actually, like, even in England, under King John, who was by far the worst, the worst of their kings, like, so bad that they forced him, that they were like, no, 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 bro, we got to do something about this, and they did the whole Magna Carta thing. But you didn't have to put up with John, or the effects of John, like you had to put, like you had to put up with the effects of Carter. And the effects of Roosevelt. The effects of Woodrow Wilson. I mean, the Civil War went so well, the Reconstruction did what? Oh yeah, it was pretty trash. I'll take any Catholic king. 
take any Catholic king over an American president. Although I'm pretty sure Biden's actually going to manage to make me flush that one down the toilet because he, he may be titled the president, but let's be real. He doesn't want to let that go. Oh, what about the reforms? Well, there were many reforms. What about succession? Well, that's kind of important too. Because one thing... So, King John... Kind of puffed up in divine right. Okay, cool. Whatever. Is kind of uniquely a British sensibility, by the way, too. The French didn't believe in the in the divine right of kings. The Germans, even the Protestant kings, did not believe in the divine right of kings. The Spanish did not believe in the divine right of kings. The Italian doges of the of the varied republics in Italy did not believe in the divine right. Why? Because most of them were Catholic. Most of them understood Christ's teaching that if you want to be the greatest, then you must serve the least. Mind you, not the least amount, but to serve the least among. Something that seemed to have gotten lost after Henry VIII. Oh, but it was so much worse under the, back then. Really? Do you honestly think that your life is better with that television set? You honestly believe that life that your life is better with that telephone or your computer or the internet or social media or Amazon? You honestly believe that your life is better? Would it not be better to own property sufficient enough to su- to support cattle? Would it not be would it not be better to own property sufficient to raise a dozen children? Is that not better? Do you honestly think it's better to die alone sitting in a room waiting waiting for some doctor to euthanize you with some chemical cocktail stuck in your arm or is it better to die in bed surrounded by your children and your grandchildren? and your great-grandchildren. I will tell you that even if they all hate you, it's better to die surrounded by them. But how do you make it? How do you make it? Well, slowly. Slowly but surely, marriages are planned. And they are planned for the prosperity of the family. Are you saying that arranged marriages are better? Yeah, because there's no delusion that it's about passion. Because it's not about passion. Marriage is not about passion. If you luck up and you get the passion, well, you're going to have a harder marriage.
Whereas you marry somebody who's sufficient, sufficiently beautiful, sufficiently intelligent, sufficiently well-rounded. Just enough. Not going around marrying Charlize Theron or Selma Hayek or um, what's-her-face. Who's one of the really hot ladies that the kids are all talking about these days? I have no idea, in all honesty. She's not going around marrying the most beautiful woman in the world. She's maybe sufficiently beautiful. Because maybe it's about her character more than her butt. Just saying. Maybe it's more about, you know... Can I get stuck in the same house, dealing with screaming kids, fighting off famine and storm with this woman? Is she the kind of woman that I want to have by my side? And can I be the kind of man that she wants to protect her? That whole dynamic, everything I just described just then, is so alien from the modern conception of what marriage and the family is supposed to look like. That it's no wonder we're falling apart as a nation. Anyway. <clears throat> That's a handmaid's tale. Nah. Nah, it's not. Anybody who thinks that is just stupid. Wait, the same people who think that think that you can turn a boy into a girl and you can turn a girl into a boy. That they can actually choose their own destiny on that one. Like the physiology doesn't matter. They can make their own choices in that. And so obviously those are not the kind of people that you want to be listening to. So anybody who thinks that that world is going to be a handmaid's tale, you just remember. They think men can get pregnant. That should be the end of that. Is the answer democracy? I mean, it's certainly de some level of decentralization and disaggregation of the power and authority. Absolutely. But eventually as all things do, that power and authority is going to aggregate itself either to somebody who understands that they must do everything that they can in service of the people that they lead, or it's going to aggregate into the hands of somebody who's going to not believe that at all. And you know who's most likely to not believe that at all? Somebody who doesn't know you. Because the other benefit of primogeniture is that, yeah, the son who inherited, he might be a complete horse's ass. Everybody might dislike him. But he is still family. He is still blood.
and as the head of the household, in God's law, the way he set up nature, there's still to be a hierarchy. There's still somebody to be the one to be... <clears throat> there is still somebody responsible for making those choices for his family, for those who depend on him. What we have now is absent that responsibility and accountability. And they wanted that they wanted it that way on purpose. Because Bill Gates doesn't give a rip. Not really about it when it comes to talking about the success of his crops in, say, Louisiana. Why? It wouldn't affect him. It doesn't affect anyone he knows or loves. He's rich beyond the dreams of avarice. So even if the farm goes completely toes up, it's not going to affect him at all. He could unleash a plague in Louisiana. Doesn't matter. He doesn't even live there. He lives in Washington, 1,200 miles away. Or more. I don't, I don't know exactly how far it is from Louisiana to Washington. But nothing that happens to his farmland in Louisiana is going to matter even a little bit to him in Seattle. And that's the way they want it pretty much for the whole world. Completely disconnected from the people they're supposed to serve. That's it. They've always wanted that. Because if you're completely disconnected from the people that you're supposed to serve, how hard is it to simply look them dead in the eye and say, non serviam? And does that sound like something Christ would say? Or does that sound something more sinister? So thank you. One of my favorite things, actually, but I think uh, Russell Brand's channel is one of my favorite ones to watch. Um, because he's earnest. He's actually looking. Yeah, his worldview is skewed. It's, it's off. It's dis disconnected completely from truth. But he's looking. And sometimes he asks all the right questions. Even if he comes up with the wrong answer, he asks all the right questions. And that's kind of important. If there was ever an argument to be made for freedom of speech, it would be that. It's because when you listen to people who are looking for the truth, who are making the declarations that they make in order to try and find the truth, they're pretty easy to tolerate. Because they could be wrong. They could be really wrong. But if they're genuinely looking for the truth... good way to be <clears throat> makes it easier to pray for him although admittedly those aren't the ones that you get the real grace for praying for but it does make it easier to pray for him 
And as always, we need to be praying, both for his salvation, for the return of Glenn Beck back to the faith, that Joe Biden is eventually converted. I say eventually, he ain't got that long. He's old. Nancy Pelosi, praying for her conversion. The Pope, praying for his conversion. Bishop, or excuse me, Cardinal McElroy, praying for his conversion. We need to be praying. In the meantime, rest assured, if you're a monarchist, if you believe in hereditary title, if you believe in primogeniture, if you believe that those are the right ways to go, it will come to pass, eventually you will be proven right. And you'll have enough data to actually prove it to other people. In the meantime, huh, gracious, pray for our nation, pray for the church, and pray for me, because I really would like to be able to approach those topics that I was going to talk about yesterday and the day before without losing my mind. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen.